The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck features non-absorbent closed-cell PE EVA blended foam that delivers the perfect combination of comfort, safety, and style. For more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Welcome to episode 150 of the Golden Mike Podcast. I am Daniel the Mano, the noise of the North. Oh uh, yeah, and once again, now it's time for some audio sunshine. Thank you, thank you to all the loyal listeners out there. What an incredible milestone for me and the show, and a huge amount of gratitude goes out to you, Mano Fanos out there. The new listeners as well, the ones who've gone away and the ones who've come back and vice versa, and those listening to this back in the future, that's the beauty of podcasts, folks, is that they do or they can live forever online, but with 150 episodes, it does take bandwidth and that does cost something, but it's all good because since day one, we've been taken care of by so many people and sponsors like SeaDeck Marine Products. Not our first sponsor, but pretty dang close, and they've stood behind us here at the Golden Mike Podcast. Well, since the day they found out about this show, which happened to be something like around episode six, seven, or eight, Brett Cormier, he started the show with me producing and taking care of all the back-end stuff. Brett did 34 amazing episodes of the Golden Mike podcast, and then Rich Walsh stepped in and has been editing the show since number 35. Pretty amazing crew along the way with Arthur, who has helped a ton behind the scenes. And of course, my amazing girlfriend, Jane Levy. And you can't forget about our web girl, Jenna Carruth, who's done an amazing job with me as well since the early days of this podcast. 150 episodes for this show breaks down to hundreds of voices throughout the Toadwater sports industry who have been heard right here on the Golden Mike podcast. And since day number one, the vision was to give the industry a more broad voice. With that said, I've been able to do well over 100 full one-on-one interviews with athletes, officials, industry heads, Inside of that, you can scroll through the archives, you can hear audio montages from the biggest water sports events in the world, capturing the top competitors and contest goers, amateur and pro. I've appreciated the opportunity and I hope to be able to do this for a long time coming. Before I get to today's guest, Quinn Silvernail, let me mention the sponsors of this 150th episode of the Golden Mike Podcast. Thank you to SeaDeck Marine Products, WSIA, Roswell Marine Active Water Sports, Masterline, PCM Marine Engines, Centurion Boats, O'Brien, Ledwake, Slingshot, Conley, Radar Skis, Boulder Boats, Ronix, Hyperlight, GoPuck, and Midcoast Customs. Remember, you as a listener can totally help by sharing this podcast with others. We are available not only on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, but on multiple listening applications for Android devices. Search the Golden Mike Podcast on SoundCloud and online on my very own website, noiseofthenorth.com. Reviews are still a beautiful thing and can be left along a five-star rating right there on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. They're warm, they're fuzzy, and it's just plain nice, people. Makes me feel good. My guest today is currently one of our industry's most influential individuals, 
along with his crew, the space mob, their media, and no pun intended but coalition, the Valdosta Wake compound, groundbreaking events, and post this interview, he and his crew orchestrated what to me was the most next level contest of all time, considering the cards 2020 dealt us with Space Tapes, a digital video contest that brought together teams of riders from all disciplines of wake and water sports in general, riding levels, uh, water options, pooling devices, and so many countries all represented, riders, amateur, and pro. If you haven't watched all something like nine hours of Space Tapes, Carve out a day or a time and just do it. I know I'm rambling, but the man, Quinn Silvernail, is here with me on this monumentous 150th episode. In episode 149, you all probably remember me interviewing Quinn along with his partner at the VWC, Luke Tilt. It was a great episode, but in this one, we dive into Quinn's roots and a bunch of other really good stuff. We recorded this show in late July, and I apologize for how long it's been, but here we go, folks. Let's get to it. Quinn Silvernail, right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, Quinn Silvernail. Thank uh, you, thank you. Yes, hanging out here in your office at VWC. Uh, we're here at the Compound Space Mob in the house. That's right, Space Mob or die, yeah. always. <laughs> that's that's the slogan you live by, right? For sure, yep. We, it's everybody in the Space Mob is Space Mob or die. I think so, anyway. <laughs> so what I wanna do, and. I know we touched a little bit about it on the active episode, you know, and that that was probably twenty plus episodes ago. Um, and then in in the last episode of the podcast, uh, I had you and Luke on um, from Valdosta, and we just basically talked about the park. I wanted today's episode to really be more about you um, and your journey um, from an amateur guy just living that lake life, kneeboarding and water skiing and wakeboarding and making your own tricks up to um, a gentleman who has now become one of the most influential guys in our sport today uh, with one of the most influential facilities as well. Um, so let's let's rewind the clock and uh, go all the way back to the beginning. Where, where does this all start? Well, first of all, thank you for the influential stuff. That is a I don't expect that, but I'll take it. Um, <laughs> Truths be spoken <laughs> at times on this podcast. That, that means a lot. Um, it really just started like my, I don't know what, my dad was always really into skiing and barefooting. And Did you guys have a ski boat? Mm-hmm. And Back in the day, um, I, grew, I spent eight years in Minnesota, like born in Minnesota, raised in Minnesota, well, eight years in Minnesota, but then we moved to just outside of Atlanta in Roswell and we would spend all of our summers until I graduated high school in Minnesota like six weeks every summer because my parents had a little cabin up on a lake up in like the Brainerd Lakes area up there and uh, we would just spend all of our time up there that was pretty much when I did water sports and then it was like I remember when I lived up there the boat we had was a ski eliminator uh, with the it had like the vented front hood with no sure. no open bow was that a jet boat too i don't think this one was but i think they might have made a jet boat it, this was like uh it was a direct drive um and it was it was sick it looked it looked great it eliminates all <laughs> it, the wakes. yeah exactly and uh yeah i just i remember like my dad learning a back roll on a kneeboard one time and like watching the video afterwards and it was just like everyone was just blown away because like like I said, we didn't see, there were no videos to us and there was no board shops. It was just like. I mean, are you guys watching like ESPN Hot Summer Nights? Are you guys watching like, yeah. pro tour, like water ski or wakeboard pro tour at the time? If if I caught it, like I didn't follow it enough to like know, oh, this weekend is X Games, you know, and boats happening. Like I like walk into my parents' room or something and they're watching a wakeboard contest. And my mom would be like, oh, look, it's wakeboarding. And I'm like what this is on tv you didn't even tell me you know like it, it was just kind of there but never that big of a deal and i just kind of goofed off with it like with my dad and cousin and then 
I didn't really have any friends in Georgia who did it, so it was always like a thing I did in Minnesota. And then as I got more into the wakeboarding stuff, I took all, like wanted to be on the water more. Were you so, guys, so did you guys go to boat shows or any like event? Because I know that in the old day, or when I first started announcing back in 2005, uh, 06, um, we would go to Minnesota every year for PWT. We did mm-hmm. nationals there one year. Were you going to events or anything like that? Not really. That was like, um, that didn't start happening until much later. I remember going, when we lived in Atlanta, I remember probably after I was in high school, my dad took me to the Atlanta boat show. And the only reason I even remember it is because he was freaking out because we met Ron Scarpa. And I had no idea who that was at the time. Now I do, but it was, he was just like, that's Ron Scarpa, Quinn, that's Ron Scarpa. And I'm just like, cool, who's that? He's like, this is a legend just going on and on, you know? So that's, that was like, I don't even know what boat show that was, but we didn't really do a lot of that. They're like go to like industry stuff. My dad just kind of grew up with his brothers goofing off behind the boat and it just kind of rolled over to me and then kind of river riders on a lake yeah exactly like just doing our own thing and that's what they were doing anyway and then as i was trying to like get more into it i kind of found out there's like a whole industry side to it and started getting the magazines and pretty much the magazines is what got you know my dad would get water ski magazine and then i realized there's a wakeboarding magazine there are multiple and then before before we before you tell me like some of the guys who are influencing you and whatnot, um, I I do want to talk about those early days and like what you were were doing. Like uh, I you know personally I started skiing at about eight years old, uh, six seven eight years old. I started slalom skiing at nine ten eleven years old, barefooting at twelve thirteen, trick skiing at eleven twelve or whatever. Um, what like what were what were you doing and when did you find wakeboarding and to even go further than that. Uh, when when did when was it serious for you? I I was just doing whatever kind of whatever you know my parents wanted to go on the boat we were doing that if they wanted to go skiing like on the mountains we'd do that skiing and then eventually snowboarding and um, I think it was probably like my fourth or fifth grade year uh, my parents found a wakeboard on the side of the road and vintage pretty, wakeboard do you remember what it is it's an O'Brien I'll show you it's an O'Brien shredder directional oh cool with the cheese shredder on yes, it Love yes yes I have it hanging up front or out back there and uh they found that and I'm pretty sure they got it for my older sister I think they'll dispute this but I think they gave it as a gift for a birthday present to my older sister and because she never wanted to ski really it was more like something my she felt she was like more of a teenager you know she felt like my parents were like making her ski and it's just like you want to go do it? No, you know. So I think they found that as their bridge to like get her to actually do something behind the boat and like wakeboard, and she liked it. And then I was I kind of like took it over and was like I really like this more. And so I kind of got really into the wakeboarding stuff then, just like figuring it out. And then probably eventually we were always buying these. Just like you know when we well we only had one other board. It was the first twin tip we had was an evil twin o'brien evil twin you guys big o'brien guys at the time i think it was overton's was what we were sure. getting everything from and uh eventually we used that for so long that eventually like the inserts would just rip out and then we would just put it in the next hole and just like keep using it until there was no more inserts and that ladies and gentlemen how the skinny stance was invented, <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> exactly and uh yeah so like i think i was probably a freshman in high school maybe eighth grade and we were up at the lake and my aunt was dating this guy whose nephew was an amateur wakeboarder and you he know wrote who it is his name yes his name was josh ostrowski he's from minnesota i'm pretty sure he does kiteboarding and snow kiting now but he was the first person that ever came out he probably doesn't even remember me but he was the per- first person that ever came out and like did a flip or a rally or anything behind our boat or like that I saw in person and it blew my mind because I didn't even know you could do this stuff because so you, like, you at this point you're not even seeing this stuff really on TV and you're really. definitely not reading magazines yeah not not by then this was like when I realized is like after this guy came he had it was like right after gator boards came out like the first year I think and he was hooked up by a shop that had gator boards I think and he was 
repping all this gator stuff and I was like riding this busted up board that was all ripped apart and he I learned a tantrum that day because of this guy taught me how to do it and then my cousin learned one also that day and we were like okay and then I think the next day we got to go get a new wakeboard because our board had been destroyed like at this point do you guys are you guys like holy smokes we're we're doing back we're practically professional yeah now. yes so we, do you start seeking out tournaments or anything like that uh that's probably when i did start looking for that sort of thing um but i didn't really get into actually doing tournaments probably for like another year or two because there wasn't i wasn't in when i was in minnesota i was kind of isolated up to that area i couldn't drive yet i couldn't really convince my once we're up there on vacation i couldn't really convince my parents to take me because like that area is so far from everywhere it would have been like going to minneapolis would take like four hours or something like that so we you know i didn't seek them out up there so it probably wasn't until like sophomore year of high school i started doing like int stuff and they only had it in South Carolina, so I'd do like INT South Carolina a bit. As you're making your way up through the ranks wakeboarding and you're falling in love with the sport, um, winching is a thing, cable riding is a thing, but they're not very prominent within the sport. Um, you are, though, now recognized as one of the top you know, wake park and, and winch guys out there pushing it uh, on, on those. Um, when... When was the first time you got to ride a cable or a winch uh, or were even like uh, recognized that these were a thing that you can do? And were you even drawn to that stuff at first? I, I was pretty fascinated by it because it kind of came out of nowhere for me. I think the first cable I rode was McCormick's and it was like the day they put up the cable. It was there's no features. It, we used to go because my my mom's best friend since she was like two it lives in Sarasota in Florida, so we spend all of our Thanksgivings down there my whole life. And on our way down there, my dad would always want to get a ski set at McCormick's, and so I would get to wakeboard at McCormick's behind the boat. I learned like S bends, whirly birds, and maybe something else at McCormick's behind the boat back when I was a kid. I only did one S-Bend ever because it was the only trick I landed that actually hurt my knee as I landed. And I was like, I don't like, I don't like that. But um, I remember going down there for Thanksgiving and they're like, check this out. We're putting up this huge cable system. And I'm like, what? And they're like, it's ready to go if you want to ride it. And I remember just riding with no features out there for like an hour or two, just like being blown away. This was just pulling me. And then from there is like, okay, there's more of these things, probably went to Odub a couple times, and then um, once, it was not till I got into college that I really got into, like, cable stuff and winching, but I was always into that side of it. I remember being in high school and trying to, like, convince my friends who had, like, off-road trucks to take me to, to the, uh, like, mud hole, and pull me and like so I could ollie onto like a fold-up table that I just put in the mud hole and like I would just ride behind their trucks and in, in a mud hole and like I just wanted that aspect so bad but I had no direction or idea what was what was your direction or style who was your influence I would say like pre cable pre um like uh pre winch like who are you looking to because you mentioned the s bend and 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 these tricks and stuff and obviously we know wakeboarding has changed quite a bit from being that like a gymnastic and obviously there's Mm -hmm. still some elements of that but you know there there was a time when we all thought okay 180, 360, roll, tantrum, front roll, scarecrow, crow mode, whirly Mm -hmm. bird, you know, like that was the mentality, just trick, 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 trick. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, I I mean, there was a time when it wasn't even like go 180, nose 180, mute 180, melon 180. It was just like, I got the 180, I'm going to slap the board and move on. Yeah, 180, now I got to do a 360. So what what was your influence um, when you were just merely a boat guy? Mm-hmm. Um, what was that influence? And then also like, um, the, what influ- who are your influences as you, as you kind of started progressing your, ch- uh, your style or evolving your style? Mm-hmm. I would say like 
initially like Murray, of course, and um, definitely I was like the old days, like J Star days. I was really into like Rusty and Keith Lyman when they were on J Star. I was really so you were about that like amplitude. You were about like the big amplitude yeah. and and. I mean, those guys were, were big athletic riders, you know? The, yeah. And then kind of as things started growing, I definitely became more of like, as JD started blowing up, like he got some cover photos that like melted my brain that were just like these crazy grabs where he would like over tweak a stale fish backwards. And I'm like, when I would see these photos of JD and like see vid- videos of JD, I remember just being like, I will never be that good. And like, this is kind of depressing because like, this is so sick that I, I know I'll never be there. And, uh, I mean, but you look at it there and it's just like JD is taking wakeboarding and something that, you know, everybody's doing the same trick and he's starting to make it more unique to himself and his own. Do you, do you envision in your head at this time at all that, you can do that because here we are in 2020 and you are that guy. I, I don't think I, I felt I could do it, but I think I just like knew that if I could do it, that I needed to do it that way because that's what sticks with people the most. Because with me, it was like you said, JD was just doing the same tricks as everybody else. He just had a way of making it look so much different. And then like as we progressed into you know rails and stuff like parks and shane and i got you know i think my first like real wakeboard video that wasn't like a a ebay like lot purchase of like super old canadian wakeboard videos was welcome that hyperlight team video and i just remember like parks hitting that c rail and like those insanely big rails that they were getting pulled by a boat and just blew my mind because I was just like this is these rails are as big as a house and they're just blasting off and then like once the once the cables and winches started taking hold it was like a whole new like all of a sudden it just opened all these doors that it was like how would you be able to do this with like you'd see some spot and you'd be like yeah but you'd never be able to put a boat in there or you'd never be able to put a jet ski in there and you'd never be able to hit that and then all of a sudden it was like you have a winch you could hit anything and kind of brought out like all these i mean pat pinacos he's been around forever but like once he was like not even trying to be like a top rider he just kind of happened into it because he was so sick on the rails and like ahead of his time right and totally so it was just kind of like a that time in wakeboarding was so exciting like when winching and cables it was like every year there was some new innovation that just felt like wakeboarding was able to happen in more places than just a lake and the influences just kept growing to like well during that time more and more uh, it was growing and more and more people especially people who wanted to get more involved and kind of grow their status within the sport were all um trying to find opportunities down in central florida and orlando down south um you ended up uh, taking a little bit of a different direction and going somewhere where uh, that has some really tight roots um, affiliated with wakeboarding. You you moved up to the Pacific Northwest and um, and had an opportunity to to work with a super classic shop out there, Active Water Sports, uh, multiple locations, um, but even bigger and better than that, they also have um, like a wakeboard school and ski school and stuff that's been around for a long time. Talk a little bit about what took you out to Oregon and getting involved with uh, with Warren and the crew over there at Active and what that did for, for you and how long you were out there. Yeah, that was like um, kind of my buddy Chris, the same guy I talked about in the last podcast who got us in with uh, Wes Bearden and everybody. He Chris. Chris Moore. Chris he, Moore, uh, sure. Yeah, he's, he was like my, my partner in crime back then and we uh, were both just as hungry and just wanted to find a way to carve out a niche for ourselves in wakeboarding. And he found this posting on, on like a forum website or something, maybe Wake World or something like that. And he was like, they were looking for coaches at this camp that we hadn't even heard of. But then after seeing the videos, I recognized it from like the Hippodrome Wakeskate contest. And I was like, oh, that is the, that place. Cause you know, I, like I said, I was like a huge Wake fan and I'd see these videos of like rail jams and setups and I'd be like, 
where is this happening? Like, how am I not a part like, of I wanna this? I want to get to late cafe latte mocha <laughs> <Yeah>. cappuccino. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so, yeah, me and Chris drove out there, and we had a week to get there. So we just took the slowest, the easy, like, just across country, slept in Walmart parking lots, and we would just, like, see a mountain on the side of the road and be like, we should hike to the top of that mountain. And we just park and hike to the top of the mountain. Saw some crazy, like, goats and stuff, and just, we, like, we had never really gone across country, you know, so we were, like, just taking it in. We had a week to get there. We were, like, well, I mean, we could get there in two days if we had to, so we'll just stop whenever we want and go to state parks, and so that was, that was our journey out there, and then it was crazy. That that was what got me in with Slingshot initially. Was, uh, and how, lo- how long were you in, in Oregon? I was there for two summers in a row for like the entire summer. It might have been eight weeks. And uh, I, the first year I was just a coach and operator and, you know, did the shop and stuff. But the second year I was the park manager or something like that. And Chris didn't come that year because he had already graduated and was like working at a cable that was in North Georgia. And uh, so that that place was kind of like, me the first time I really stepped out of my comfort zone for like a wakeboard oriented job it was like before that I had only ever like helped with camps at gravity and I might have worked there for one summer before that uh you know talking about a a crew you guys surround yourselves with uh, an insanely talented crew and you also um with this park and with your crew have opened up um, major doors and opportunities um, within within all of that. Um, you're now, you know, not only have a place where you can personally create and um, uh, create and um, be artistic on your own, express yourself, um, but you're doing that for for other people. Talking about Space Mob and the coalition, I want you to tell me a little bit about what Space Mob is, what coalition is. How uh, how how they kind of uh, coincide with each other, and and what what it's doing for the sport. Well, Space Mob is the crew, and the coalition is what we do. That's how I remember it. That little rhyme right there. But so the Space Mob is just kind of grew from me and me and Wes. Once we realized like Wes we Jacobson, Wes Jacobson, WMJ. Um, once we realized that like together we had way more superpowers than apart, we basically kind of like as we're you know do, trying to figure out what we're filming for and what we're wanting to do, we're getting into winching and stuff a little bit more, and our crew is getting a little heavier and heavier. We're like kind of wanted something that would you know draw everybody to like have that motivation to to group together like put all their like you know superpowers so to speak into one cause and um it really started on a winch trip with me Wes Pratt and Cole and Austin Pratt and Cole Vanthoff gotcha Mm -hmm. and uh we were up in Atlanta winching and I don't know just all excited because we were doing this it's in the first coalition movie and um is like a concrete dam that had no water and it spills like straight down and we had we put pine straw all over it and put a bump at the top so we could like bump up over onto these concrete ledges that had a little hallway that was really skinny in between and like slide across both of them and we didn't know what was going to happen we were like someone's going to either get broke off or this is going to be like a big time first in wakeboarding and we it worked and we were like a little bit of both a little bit of both I got broke off trying to back lip it and stuck and just like smashed but a little bit of both but it worked and we just were so stoked and we were just like we'd been talking about some other like crew name that like was supposed to happen earlier in the day that involves space and then like at some point we just start yelling out like space mob I don't know who was the first one to start and I'm I just remember like that when that came out of somebody's mouth, I just remember being like, that's it. That's what, that's what this is. That's, this is the space mob. We're like mobbing through everyone's space right now. You know, we're just like, we're so hyped on it. And then 
we basically it was just a thing we just wanted to you know so space mob is the crew and the coalition is what you do right so what so so space mob organically starts but like how how well coalition basically is a video series that you guys do right and it was already going at that point gotcha. we had, this was when we had started working on the actual movie because of the success of the video series we were like we need to we need to get some winching involved in like film like a proper movie how many videos are in the coalition as of now now there are eight eight videos and eight and, videos. and are and and like are these just super quick edits or are they like full I'd features I'd say they're like 4 to 6 minutes and then we have two full length movies that are like 35 to 45 minutes each and those are and those are actually available on uh, you can get those on the world wide web right yes. like uh, i think everything is on spacemob.tv on gotcha. our website and uh, cuz the the coalition videos are free for the public but people can support you guys by purchasing your full length features right right but now they're all free I think. oh so I everything think, is yeah, free now i think now. you can get them all free now i'm pretty sure Wes, when we when we launched the new website he opened up the because the other video dropped like over a year ago so quick break here guys wake responsibly is still a thing please remember you are responsible for your own wake at all times and that goes for your music as well a lot of times it's a respect thing and trust me your courtesy now will pay off later Stay at least 200 feet away from shorelines when wake surfing especially. And in fact, the middle of the lake has been proven to provide an awesome time to surf and practice for contest conditions. Music should always be played at reasonable levels. Use common sense and know when to turn up and more importantly, when to play at reasonable levels. Repetitive passes over any shoreline over and over can be a major nuisance to lakefront homeowners. Utilize the entire body of water if you can and diversify your conditions. Find out more info at wakeresponsibly.com. Now back to Quinn Silvernail right here on episode 150 of the Golden Mike Podcast. All right, dude, we're going to close it on this here. Um, Slingshot Wakeboards, it's a brand you've been with for, for a long time. And, and you could argue to say that when you started with Slingshot, you were taking a chance on them. Um, but now tables have turned and they have, I would say, taken some chances with you guys, including built you a wakeboard unlike any other board out there. I want you to tell us about the relationship with Slingshot, what it was like at the beginning, uh, because I, I will remember when I saw the first Slingshot board, when, when Jeff McKee started riding for Slingshot and um, Colin Wright, a lot of us were just like, not so sure. Yeah, yeah. I was so sure, Dano. I was so sure. I saw, I, like I said before, I'm like, I was the biggest wakeboard nerd of all time. I was scouring the internet for anything that nobody else had ever seen that related to wakeboarding. That was like what I wanted. And kind of like how people are obsessed with underground music, I was obsessed with underground, so to speak, wakeboarding. And I found Slingshot's website before they had any pictures or anything on it, and it was a red background with the silhouette of a wakeboard. And then all of a sudden, a silhouette of a human walks into frame, grabs the board, turns it profile sideways, and flexes it like three times, shrugs his shoulders, puts it under his arm, walks out of the room, and I sat there and rewatched that screen a hundred times. And I was like, what am I looking at? This is amazing. And happened to be at Copper Lake that first year for AWS working up there. And they had a bunch of rail boards that you could use on their rails. And I broke my own boards, both of them. I broke all the rail boards. There's none left for anybody else to use. And then my boss, Eric Sund, he called up Greg Kish, who is like a big dog with slingshot. And Kish just sent me like a blim board from the year before. It was like the first year the, that they were a company. And uh, this was during their second year. And that board lasted me all summer until I finally let Chris Moore use it and he broke it. So I, he had finally broke one of my boards and, 
and then after that I'm pretty sure I bought one of the boards out of the shop because yeah, how long ago discount. though is this this is 2007 or no 2000 and 2008 so this is like right when they came out. Yeah, I think their first run was 2007. If it was, if it was the other way, then this was 2007, and their first run was 06. But I think it was, I think it was 06. Oh, I think this was 08. They ran in 07, and uh, so I was like, right, we could ride any board we wanted to out of the shop behind the boat. So I was already riding a uh, response on the boat, and then I just switch it up to the recoil, and then. I think the next year the Reflex came out, which is the earliest earliest version of what our board is. It, it evolved into what our board is now, the Coalition. And uh, that board was the best boat board I had ever ridden, best rail board I'd ever ridden. It was, I loved it. And then, you know, fast forward to now, I can't even believe that that's our shape. And like, my name is on that board of all the boards. That was the one I, I loved by far the most. And back in like, I just remember when we were doing this whole cable park thing and like getting a couple years into the 2.0 days, I just remember being like, man, I'm about like 26, 27, or maybe like 25, 26. I was like, I'm, you know, like, I'm, I got a good run, got a good thing going. I'd be, some of my goals probably won't ever happen. I'll probably never have my name on a board. I'll probably never, you know, like a bunch of that stuff is just like in the back of my mind. And then to see like, even in that short amount of time from then to now, and like Slingshot has, they've always, you know, been there for me. And like in the earlier days, it was a much harder, the brand manager I heard through the grapevine at the time, the, the old brand manager wasn't the biggest fan of me. Um, I think just based off of riding, I don't really know. We didn't have any like issues or anything, but I just had heard that. But then like Jeff McKee, he always had my back. He just always was, I had a lot of struggles along the way. Back when they were filming Lip Smack, I went to the projects for like a week to be a part of that. And I ended up, every time I would ride the filmer, I won't name, but the filmer wouldn't, he'd put his camera away every time I would ride, but then he'd ask me to like run the fog machine for him and the light bounce. And so I was like putting in some work and not getting any credit, which was okay. I knew I had to earn my stripes, but like the whole point of like Nate and Reader and my slingshot homies from Orlando, like inviting me down was to have me be like in this movie, which not I, a grip. <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as Nate, I didn't even tell Jeff, but Nate like pulled Jeff aside at the end of that week. Cause they were doing the less than five contest at the project. So everybody had like come there and Nate pulled Jeff aside and like told him how the filmer like wouldn't film me and what, whatever. And Jeff just like reacted in a way that was like meant a lot to me. I like, I didn't expect him to go and like cuss anybody out or whatever. But it was like he was upset about it and just knowing that he was upset about it like made me feel like okay well i'm at least justified in being like a little bummed out about it and now i, I won't be bummed you know like it's, yeah. it's over and done with so um yeah it's like been a lot of hurdles to get there a lot of things that i just was like you know i i probably just should just keep my mouth shut and just like accept what i got right now and think it's pretty good you know and um just still like always wanting to as things progress, be like, oh, we can, I can push and we can get more out of this. I can like really push this, this wakeboarding thing and like get, you know, to a level that I never thought I could get it with my riding. And then like be and now an the actual <laughs> part of the brand, like they listen to what we tell, like they get, they want our feedback. They want us to test stuff. And that was where it really started to like open some doors was like back in the day, they finally start. I used to always tell them like, Cause I was riding at gravity I was like you guys need me to test stuff send it to me I want to so bad and you know under the old brand manager they'd just be like yeah sure whatever and they never sent me stuff to well, test here, here you are now though space mob you guys have a signature board you guys have a signature set of boots and you have a another another signature board more of a fun board right yeah but it works for everything we got a I wake surfed it the other day no fins it's it tracks just like a wake surfboard um and yeah i rode it behind the it's actually incredible behind the boat because it has those straight edges so you, right. you can edge through the wake and 
what what was the, what was the thought behind that board though uh because it's got a very old school snowboard shape to it mm-hmm. um it it's almost half directional yeah or the something. asymmetrical directional is what we call it and uh yeah it was uh we would just if we busted up our boards and you know didn't we still wanted to wakeboard before our next board would get here we'd just like cut where we busted it up out and just ride it like that and then that kind of turned into like trying funnier shapes and stuff and then we uh with snowboarding they've been like reverting a lot of directional boards out into the market so we we like kind of saw that trend kicking off and we're like if we could actually make this directional board thing like a good park board that's not really been done you know they i think maybe the year after we got the prototype and we were like about to release the official board the i think hyperlight and liquid force maybe came out with some boat directional boards and we were like, okay, like this is actually like starting to have an uptick, but there was still no park directional board. So we knew we were kind of onto something. And Slingshot is just like insane for how they work with us. Like I've heard all the stories from everybody about like trying to design boards and there's always compromises involved. And like the amount that we've had to compromise is so little. And if we do, usually it's just like, well, we can't make that happen this year, but now that we know about it next year we can probably wow. make it happen you know and they're so like you know right now we're about to i don't know if i'm supposed to say this and don't get mad at me slingshot if i'm not supposed to but the directional we're coming back and then it might not look exactly the same as the directional from this year so cool. we're they're fully supportive at this point of us keeping things fresh and you know having people you know people want to add to their quiver of wakeboards it's just there's you know if you got a good board right now there's no reason to get another good board unless there's like a certain aspect to it right. that makes it you know you need that so out. very cool all right um we close on this yard sale is an event that you guys have made famous right here in your yard uh vwc um one of the most progressive outside the box wakeboard events that there is um it's got a even though i haven't personally been i've watched all the videos that come out and it's got a feel to it unlike any other event 2020 here we sit with uncertainty uh we live in the covid life right now um events of 50 people or less when we're trying to push a sport and grow it just doesn't make sense uh, you guys have had to unfortunately um, make the uh, bummer of a call of, of canceling the event for the season. Uh, yard sale 2020 isn't going to happen as it was supposed to. Um, as this episode releases, you've already either announced this and it's happening or about to announce it. Um, the crew here at uh, VWC Space Mob, you guys are going to be putting on or putting on a digital event can you tell us a little bit about that and how people can get involved yeah um we are trying to have something that everyone can be a part of and it's a filming element um the details will be available online where you can actually get like the exact details but the long story short we're gonna have you crew up with a small crew you guys put out your videos and you send them in there might be a small registration fee because we're going to have to cap it at a certain number because you know if we get a thousand videos then it's going to take us forever to you know watch them all but we'll do like a live premiere of the videos and it'll be a judged contest with prize money and right now as far as getting involved just contact me space mob vwc Wes, any of us, and uh, we will we will get the ball rolling, but we're trying to round up enough sponsorship money to have a decent chunk for uh, first, second, and third place teams in this contest. And we will have, you know, we, we essentially we're trying to do what X Games Real Wake was doing and more because we want to open it up to the whole world since yard sale isn't happening this year because we couldn't have everyone from the whole world involved we want to kind of bring an event to them that 
supports them and their crew and we will be judging it we're not going to have we won't have a team you know competing against anybody it's just going to be you know whoever submits and their crew and then we'll do a live premiere and then announce a winner and um yeah we'll, we'll have stipulations like it has to be certain length and and whatnot but um yeah that's kind of what we're working with there's still a few more things we have to iron out but we're pushing for this big time and we want this to be an annual thing along with yard sale in the future very good very good and i wish you guys luck on that um i keep saying last um i keep saying last thing but one last thing <laughs> i'll stay here all day man um when can we expect to see your next project because it you're working on something obviously i know you're riding i know you still facilitate a lot of other people but i feel like it's been some time since you've released something super super proper for yourself yes um we are going to be dropping the the third full movie beginning of next year sometime so we've been working really hard winching and we've done a, quite a few trips with we have an electric winch now through the moto winch um it's like the tesla of winches and we've been we've been hard at that so that's the next big big project and then we're probably when west gets back i imagine we're going to start working on coalition volume nine and we also have a potential amount of footage from the last one that didn't get used to where we might even do an eight and a half. Nice. So there's a lot of stuff in the works right now. And, uh, you know, we'll, we're going to keep it, keep it pumping out. All right, Quinn, this has been awesome. Hey, before we uh, fully finish this off, the three S's, uh, sponsors, social media, and shout outs. Yeah. Thanks to uh, slingshot, of course, VWC for the, you know, this whole place existing. Um, Steez Clothing, Biwake, Moto Winch, Saru's, Space Mob, um, and then, yeah, the my whole family, my wife, Luke, Luke and his family. Somebody I didn't thank in the last one, I thanked him, you know, indirectly, but they definitely need to have their name thrown in, is Terry Bailey. He's been a huge, he is a workhorse, and he has been a huge part of what we got going on here. Um, West Bearden, Cross Bearden, um, and yeah, just all the people who have come along the way, the whole VWC family, Trav Duran, um, Wes Jacobson, Ollie B throwing it way back, but like everyone who's been through the doors here, I can't, can't thank them enough again. They're just, they're the best and they're the reason this place is what it is for sure. Very good, man. A little bit more proper uh, than the last two times we had John here, and I want to thank you uh, so much, uh, Quinn. Uh, congratulations on getting married and uh, just the successes in a beautiful park that you have here, and, and thank you uh, for what you're doing for the sport right now. You guys are, are getting more eyes on it than uh, many, many other people are doing and uh, helping to, to keep this stuff legit, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, we're just going to keep on pushing every day. So hopefully we keep people stoked and that's all we care about. So. All right. Well, that's it. That's all. It's the Golden Mike Podcast. He's Quinn Silvernail. I'm Daniel the Mano. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we keep it going, my friends. Oh, yeah. Wow. What a dude. A cool, a mellow, creative, straight up, humble man. I could keep going, but... We'd be here for a long time just using one positive descriptive word after another to describe Quinn. It was a real treat for me to find out so much more about him. He was a great guest, a multiple-time audio guest here on the podcast now, but this time we really dug in deep, and I feel it was evident, loud and clear, that this dude waves the fun flag representing our industry today. He has the support, he has the facility, and he has the drive. And again, I'm talking all about Quinn Silvernail. One last note, Quinn and his entire crew stepped up when the world was shut down and they hosted 
the Wake Park World Championships back this fall with the World Wake Association. They did it safely. They did it responsibly. And it was just awesome. That, along with space tapes, really pushed the level of contest riding this last summer. And I think it was great. One last thank you concerning this particular episode goes out to Bobby Sutherland, who helped me orchestrate the whole interview. I do hope to go back to Valdosta soon. I hope to meet and interview Wesley Mark Jacobson and get to hang out with Travis Duran and maybe get his story as well. Travis took the world title in Wake Skate at Wake Park Worlds. Thanks again to Quinn Silvernail and everyone over there at the Valdosta Weight Compound, VWC in Valdosta, Georgia. Make sure you folks visit if you never have. People, that's going to do it for this very special, very 150th episode of the podcast. And after seven plus, maybe eight years of delivering this podcast to you all the best I can, twice monthly, It's time for a short hiatus. We will be back with what I will refer to as Season 3, so stay tuned. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, then do it. If you can't figure out how, email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com or DM me. That's directly messaging me on Instagram at danotmano. Follow me there. Like the Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook. You can message us there. Go back and hear, listen, all 150 episodes going all the way back to episode one with a young, dirty Mike Dowdy. It was awesome. It is awesome. Thanks again to all the listeners, supporters, and Mano Fanos, the crew behind the scenes, Rich, Jane, Jenna, and Arthur, all the great sponsors of the past and the ones who support us today. That's it. That's all for now, folks, but not forever. I am the one and only man with the golden mic, the boy with the golden toy, the king of spring, the noise of the north. Oh, yeah, Dan of the Mano, and this is the Golden Mic Podcast.